did. I invite you to pray with me. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the thoughts and meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. For you, O Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. The book of James is just a little bit different than some of the other letters that we have in the New Testament. First off, it's written to an audience of Jewish Christians, not Gentile Christians like the rest of Paul's letters. We know that most of Paul's letters were written to these communities like that in Rome or Thessalonica or Corinth. That's where all those names come from. Uh, And the book of James was specifically written um, to a community of Jewish people who also were following Jesus. Um, they, They were Jewish Christian people. I've always loved this book of James ever since middle school. I think it's because you could take it and read it and understand what it says. Uh, It doesn't really take someone like me standing up here and telling you what James means. But if I had to take one word to describe this book of James, that's why I've chosen this word for this series, it would be authenticity. This word became really important for Christians of my generation. I grew up when people were trying to make Christianity cooler and more relevant all of the time. Mega church was in. And if we put guitars and drums in worship, that will bring the people in, we thought. And maybe our pastors should look and act cool. Sorry, you got me instead. Not looking or acting very cool at all. But I remember being at youth events and seeing the fog machines and the big light shows at concerts and wondering what that had to do with Jesus. It seemed inauthentic rather than authentic. In some ways, this book of James doesn't talk a lot specifically about Jesus. He talks a lot, a lot about God. And even if James doesn't talk directly about who Jesus is, he seems to be channeling Jesus through his teaching. After all, this was either James, the brother of Jesus, writing this book, or someone who followed closely after James in the Jewish Christian community. They followed Jesus and didn't need to prove who he was. The important thing was authentic living in the footsteps of Jesus, in the way of Jesus. So once you hear these words from James 1, 17 to 27 this morning. Every good gift, every perfect gift comes from above. These gifts come down from the Father, the creator of heavenly lights, in whose character there is no change at all. He chose to give us birth by his true word. And here is the result. We are like the first crop from the harvest of everything created. Know this, my dear brothers and sisters, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to grow angry. This is because an angry person doesn't produce God's righteousness. Therefore, with humility, set aside all moral filth and the growth of wickedness and welcome the word planted deep inside you, the very word that is able to save you. You must be doers of the word and not only hearers who mislead themselves. Those who hear but don't do the word are like those who look at their faces in a mirror. They look at themselves, walk away, and immediately forget what they were like. But there are those who study the perfect law, the law of freedom, and continue to do it. They don't listen and then forget, but they put it into practice in their lives. They will be blessed in whatever they do. 
If those who claim devotion to God don't control what they say, they mislead themselves. Their devotion is worthless. True devotion, the kind that is pure and faultless before God the Father, is this. To care for orphans and widows in their difficulties and to keep the world from contaminating us. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. James encourages his hearers to welcome the word that is planted deep inside of you. This is some profound stuff. Oftentimes we talk about accepting Christ or about affirming the truth that is Jesus. By those things, we usually mean that our minds, our brains have to make decisions about faith. And while this is true, it's not the whole of it. For we don't just make a decision and then keep on living the same way that we were living before. At least we don't do that in the rest of our lives. In advice that my wife often gives to couples as they are getting married, which she does a lot more weddings than I do, uh, I'm the funeral man, um, she, says, she says this, she says, to say I do every day. In other words, the wedding day is the first day of every single day where the married couple says, yes, I do to one another. And they may not say it in formal vows, like they might not over breakfast uh, repeat to have and to hold from this day forward as long, you know, they might not do that, but they say it in how they live. This is what James is calling the Christian to do, to welcome the word planted deep inside you, to receive the word anew each and every day. This word is what gives us God's perspective and allows us to see and to understand the unchangeable nature of God. This word empowers us to follow James' extremely helpful advice of being quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to grow angry. We can't do that good word in and of ourselves. In fact, we could probably preach for five weeks on being quick to listen, <laughs> slow to speak, and slow to become angry, right? We don't do that within our own power. We do this by welcoming the word of God into our foreground. And when we welcome the word, we can become doers of the word. We have a lot of ways today, probably more than ever, to be hearers of the word. Not only can you attend worship and read your Bible, hearing it that way, you can read loads of books, follow blogs, listen to podcasts of other preachers that are better than me, and watch worship services. You could watch them all day long on YouTube. You could never stop, especially now, uh, post-COVID world, right? And here's the problem. Hearing the word more and more doesn't always make someone a doer of the word. This was Jesus' problem all throughout his ministry with the Pharisees. Those guys knew the word. They studied it. They could quote chapter and verse for every given situation, but they weren't doers of the word. Jesus tells this story during his ministry about two brothers. Their father asked them to come and work in the field. He says, come and work in the field. The first brother says, no, I don't feel like it. We've never had children that say anything like that to us. But then, later on, that brother ends up going out in the field to work. The second brother tells his father he'll be right out to work in the field. But then he never goes and works. Jesus asked the Pharisees, which one of these did the father's will? And they clearly answer, well, the first one. 
This is the issue for Jesus. He didn't teach for the sake of knowledge. He taught for the sake of action. So over and over we hear Jesus say, blessed are you if you go and do these things. Or after a parable, he says, go and do likewise, right? He doesn't say, go and know it. He says, go and do it. Authenticity first means practicing what you preach. I'm convinced that what turns so many people off to Christianity today is not Jesus. It's how little so many churches and Christians act like Jesus. I'm not talking about those obvious and blatant sins like the pastors who end up sleeping around or embezzling money or both. I'm talking about plain old Christian people who say one thing on Sunday morning and live the rest of their lives like that was just a superstition that they went to on Sunday morning. Authenticity means that we hold everything up to our faith in Christ and make it align to that. It means that a particular political party's talking points probably never line up exactly to our faith. To be authentic as doers of the word is to acknowledge just that, to recognize that neither political party has a total claim to our allegiance as Christians. To be a doer of the word is to look into the mirror and to remember what you look like. It means that when you're connecting with God and worship on Sunday morning or throughout the week, that it is making a difference in the choices that you make about everything else. Doers of the word. I like that. But that is a challenging word. James then closes this section by talking about what true devotion to God looks like. He says that devotion to God requires that people control what they say. We'll get to that more in chapter 3. But then he says this, True devotion, the kind that is pure and faultless before God the Father, is this, to care for orphans and widows in their difficulties and to keep the world from contaminating us. At the end of this whole entire section, with this brilliant idea about what it means to be doers of the word, an idea that flips around, right, what word even means. Of course, we usually mean that we hear words, James comes back to this. True devotion to God means helping out the overlooked and passed by people in the world. This is what being a doer of the word looks like. And honestly, James is annoying here. Because we want something that sounds a whole lot more grand and prestigious. Not helping out people who are in the most need. I want a program to be able to follow. A degree to earn. Not the same old way that the God of Israel has always instructed the Jewish people to care for orphans and widows. These are the marginalized and overlooked people. These are the isolated people. What James is calling us to is not simply helping people by doing acts of charity. No, he is calling us to devotion to God, which is truly living out the way of Jesus. There was no no one overlooked in Jesus' ministry. What is so appealing about Jesus the longer I follow him and his way, is that Jesus truly engaged everyone. No one was too far gone for redemption. No one was too weird, too ugly, too poor, too annoying. Isaiah dreams about this day when he prophesied in Isaiah 58, isn't this the fast I choose? Releasing wicked restraints, untying the ropes of a yoke, setting free the mistreated and breaking every yoke? Isn't it sharing your bread with the hungry and bringing the homeless poor into your house, covering the naked when you see them? 
For Isaiah's people were worshiping at the temple. They were hearing the word. The problem is they weren't doing the word. James writes that we should keep the world from contaminating us. Now, generations of Christians use this as a prudish key to distinguish themselves from the world. In other words, don't drink or swear or smoke or listen to bad music or play cards or dance, and the list goes on. But what if being contaminated by the world means being contaminated by its value system of getting more and more and more regardless of the cost? What if keeping ourselves from that contamination means that we refuse the dehumanizing ways of our world and instead see people as Jesus sees them, as people made in God's image? Well then, we might just become doers of the word. May it be so. Amen.